0: Hey there, Sean.
1: Hey, Pierce. How's it going?
0: It's pretty okay.
1: All right. That means it's time for another episode of the It's Pretty Okay podcast. Let's do it.
0: Let's start the
1: show. I take too long to answer
0: telephone. I take too long to type my name in record messages. But my handwriting is excellent. In fact, it's second to
1: none, none. Okay. Uh, this is this is exciting. This is the first time we've uh, we've been been together and and recorded in a few weeks. Uh, you know uh, some sometimes we record a bunch of stuff in advance and slowly put it out over the course of a month or so and and we we have our our fearless leader back. Hey Piers. Oh.
0: Oh, it, did, it does that. I guess that counts as as me as I. I, I feel like uh, aptly uh, accidentally did a reaction in our in our little Skype chat here. <laughs> but it is, it so is like the it feeling is, was mutual. Yeah, it is exciting. It is exciting to be back. Um, I don't know when this will come out, um, but uh, I feel like this is this has been a um, a, a a gloomy week, and uh, it is it is nice to chat and not be not be gloomy for a little bit um so so yeah this is this is good
1: yeah i mean look it I, we probably shouldn't skirt around it i mean this will this will come out this week so we we should uh, okay we should yeah, i wasn't I wasn't sure point out that you know this is the week where charlottesville has been rocked by um uh, a, a shooting on a bus of students coming back from a field trip that injured two people and, and killed three, all of whom were current football players who were 22 years old or younger. And it's just, it's indescribably sad. Uh, and obviously, you know, UVA and, and Charlottesville more generally is a place that we all hold in our hearts. And, and so that's, you know, uh, we're, we're not experts on, mental health or gun violence or or anything like that and so arguably the best thing that we can do in this situation is you know not shy away from the the fact that it happened and, and say that our our best way to to handle things is probably to to cope by you know reveling in each other's presence and being happy that we're back together so yeah think about the people that you love um don't pass up opportunities to tell them that um and now that now that we've addressed that um pierce you were uh you were talking before we got started about the fact that you i believe are uh rereading game of thrones yes
0: yeah so i am rereading um as as happens when you're on a plane and a long plane ride you go okay what are my entertainment options and you realize that whatever fast 8 12 whatever movie is not best watched on a a the back of a seat on a plane um, and for some reason, there are only action movies, including that ambulance movie. I saw someone watching that, and I was, I was, I was like, "How is this still going on?" They keep trying to blow it up, Michael Bay. Um, but I had finished the book that I brought, and I had um, specifically downloaded another book, a new book. But instead, I went back to, um, I thought, "Let me, let me reread Game of Thrones because it's, it's on my Kindle and." i have a number of hours to go let me see if it's if it's enjoyable as i think i remember it being when i watched uh, when i uh read it on the metro some years ago um and i'm still hooked on it i'm still reading and also earlier this year i started rereading um lord of the rings and got through basically the the first two books and then told myself i need to move on from something else because this is weird but uh, kevin you actually brought this up this this idea of revisiting and i'm talking about books but uh, you know we are frequently talking amongst ourselves about revisiting tv shows especially um movies and music Maybe less so but music is an interesting thing because i view all of these the revisiting as is, is kind of a comfort food experience um i don't know it feels like the right time of year to to get into that
2: yeah i think each media has uh it, I, don't know, I find different reasons to do it so right now um i just finished re season one with Ma- season one of mad men and the reason we started was that julia hadn't seen it and i thought that she'd really like the show because she's into psychology and all the characters in that show are severely psychologically damaged um <laughs> <laughs> uh, so but as we started watching it i kind of came to the realization that when i first watched mad men i was that was um like right after i graduated college and i have kind of experienced a lot more of the world experienced more people more of life and i'm just a different person in general so like with something like that i'm also able to relate to relate to the characters in, in a different way and Um, You know, additionally, I know all the twists and turns that come, so you notice the foreshadowing, and maybe you can see things a bit deeper, too, on the revisit.
3: Related but unrelated, I will just say, uh, Bridget and I just started watching Mad Men for the first time, so... With you watching it simultaneously, there may be uh, future conversations to be had. But neither of us have seen it, so we're not we're not revisiting it. It's not
0: wow. it's not really I,
3: applicable to this.
0: I see, and and obviously I've revisited it many times, and I feel like Mac, All of a sudden, Max and I, it, it's like. There's there's a whole dialect of of my language that Max has never understood, but has probably nodded along <laughs> to, not dissimilar to the place that that I just visited, and and some of the like, oh yeah, sure, that's English, fine, um, but but I mean, even in that, you know, for the first time or or however many times you've done it, Kevin, I, I think that just because, just because it is, um you know, essentially the same thing it is, or, or actually the same thing. It is, it is not the same thing because of your, your set and setting. And I think that that, um, you know, I think before Sean, we've talked about, you know, revisiting books or rereading books, and that can feel like a weird experience sometimes, but it's, it's never the same experience. I, I think that's one thing that I'm, I'm trying to open myself up to
2: yeah i think that uh, uh, with the comfort food analogy i guess that that's my thought going into it is that well there's so many things that i should check out um like why should i waste my time on something i've already done especially something as you know with a movie or uh, an album it's you know you're losing an hour or two but whereas uh, an entire fantasy series or even just a long book or a really long television show that if, if might feel like a bit comfort foodie when I start. But then again, when I get going with it, I realize that, yeah, things are different and I actually can, you know, get something, get a completely new experience out of it. And, you know, it makes sense to kind of spend time with things that you that you really enjoy.
0: Yeah, and I, I kind of wonder too with with those, those things is what is the expectation of, of the artist there, or the author, um, is, do you have an expectation when you, uh, when you're uh, David Simon or um, Matthew Weiner or, uh, you know, George R. R. Martin or I don't know, any, anybody like that, someone who, who, who makes something, D- do you have an expectation going in that people will revisit it? Or um, I think about a movie I've only seen once and I knew what was coming. Um, if you make a piece of art like The Usual Suspects, do you expect people to come back and you kind of know the thing and you probably notice a lot, but are there things where it's like, no, you really should just experience this once.
3: I don't know if from a, from a creation perspective, like the people who are creating the, the, uh, media think about that, but I definitely can think of plenty of movies for myself that maybe weren't, um, we're not. I would say that they weren't enjoyable to watch, but I recognize that they were good, and I'm glad I watched them. Uh, the most mm-hmm. recent example I can think of is is Uncut Gems. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, I, it, it's no doubt in my mind, it's a great movie, but it was. It's not fun to watch. It's like you're on the edge of your seat the whole time, and so I don't think I'd want to go through that again. But I don't know that. It, like, that's not really what you're asking. Like, would it be? Would I, I wonder if I would get something out of it? by watching it again and would i be less on the edge of my seat knowing what was happening i don't think so because adam sandler's performance is just so like it puts you on edge
2: (laughs) yeah i think with i think with a movie that makes it makes more sense whereas with a a tv show or book there it's so long that you have to have things that break up the break up whatever's happening filler or side stories or side characters and like those are generally you're gonna like you're not going to make them unless they're in just an enjoyable thing or something different. I don't know. It just seems that it would by definition kind of have to be something that would be worth revisiting.
1: Yeah. I sort of feel like the run of a TV show. Like if, if you're going back to a show, I know this is something that I do. I will have more of a tendency to like jump around and skip episodes. Mm -hmm. Um, but for something like a movie, the only thing that I can think of where like i don't think there's necessarily anything where you shouldn't watch it a second or third time or or you know whatever if you want to but something that hinges really heavily on like a twist you know it it loses its it loses its, its rewatch value pretty quickly um you know that you can only go back to the usual. I, I, I'm going to spoil the usual suspects. It's fine. That movie came out in 1997, um, maybe 1995. Even uh, there, there's only so many times that you can go back and rewatch it to get through the first 80 percent of the movie, trying to figure out if they drop, you know, where they drop all the hints that Kevin Spacey is actually Kaiser Soze, um, and and once you've done that, eh it's a fine enough movie. There was a time in my life where I, I called it my favorite movie ever. Um, and I think that is probably not the case anymore because it is very much not like a timeless artifact in that way where you can keep going back to it over and over again.
3: Hmm.
2: There's even some books or some or movies and some books that are just like gut punches and that's the point of them. And like a, like Manchester by the sea comes to mind. Um, <laughs> well, I, uh, okay.
0: I'm, I'm glad you what? said that because
2: be, I did not expect this. Oh, I, um, I just mean it's a movie that I can't think of any reason why anyone would want to watch it more than once.
0: Yeah. And, and I think that what's important here is like, we're, and it's my fault. Cause I asked this question. It's like things that maybe you shouldn't watch again from the artist's point of view. Oh. Um, which, which also goes into us being like, well, I wouldn't watch that again. That's the important thing about kind of these things that we revisit. It, it, it's kind of comfort. You know, it is comfort food. It's like, even though... I So here's a good example. The first three seasons of The Wire, I've watched them a number of times. Um, the fourth season of The Wire, I do not want to watch again because... Because who it wants about... to get
1: hit in the ribs with a metal baseball bat over and over again?
0: Yeah, because bad things happen to kids. I don't like, you yeah. know, the the adults and like, OK, what is it like to live in this city and be amongst these many vices? And like, what is an OK way to make a living and all that stuff? That's that's fine. These are adult things and I can think about it. But it's the same thing with with the show Euphoria, which I've seen parts of different episodes no no that is not that is so this is so discomforting um, and I wonder if to, to think of a different genre of, of a book um, there are there are nonfiction movies there are documentaries Hero Dreams of Sushi I've watched probably seven eight times I always learn something new love that sometimes nonfiction is not, not fun to revisit and it's hard for me to say why other than like once, you know, once I have the facts, I kind of have the facts.
1: Well, part of it is that a lot of nonfiction is not necessarily super duper well written. Uh, like I, I've been on a real kick lately of um, reading a lot of nonfiction that has a really good narrative structure to it and is kind of compelling and gripping in the way that a good movie would be. Uh, like I, the two of the last three or four books that i read are about the uh the investigations into the silk road and fifa corruption and both were like super duper well written in a way that i absolutely would go back and and reread them um but another another one another sort of genre of nonfiction that i i could see myself really going back to a fair amount is something like an oral history where there's a lot of there's a lot of different voices for you to kind of jump back in and and focus on a different person this this time versus the last time you read it and i actually had a, a an experience of sorts with that this past weekend uh because emily and i went to go see uh a screening of the new documentary form of lizzie goodman's book meet me in the bathroom about the resurgent 2000s new york rock scene that was really spearheaded by the strokes and the aas and interpol um and it was a very different experience uh, and and I I noticed and, and Emily noticed just from seeing the movie uh, that the documentary is very somber and and morose and, and you know it deals a lot with the way that this scene sort of dissipated and, and crumbled as it, became really popular and became in many ways, the reason for like the absurd gentrification of Brooklyn. Uh, and that was not so much, a th- like it wasn't quite so much of a thread in the book. Like I, when I read it, I was much more focused on the, the ascendancy and, and, you know the the rise of these bands that that I loved, uh, and and so it was it was fascinating to come back to it, you know, adapted through someone else's eyes and and thought process and and see it in a whole different light. I thought that was really cool.
0: Yeah, and I mean that's almost like something that has been. Uh, you know, so so powerful for others. It's like, well, I am going to revisit it, and I, as an artist, am, am kind of uh, I- interpreting that that for you. Which which I think with which I do think happens all the time, and we maybe you know take it for granted. I mean, what what else would you call a a cover of a song other than than that? I mean, that's that's what happens when an artist covers a song. They are saying this this is powerful to me um uh what is snail mail often does it's a is it a whole song or a courtney love song it's the second most beautiful girl in the world i think that's the name of the song but it's like it's not a song that i'm necessarily familiar with and now i know it through their interpretation but there is someone revisiting this thing that matters to them and and they are applying their their lens of of their their comfort food and and so i think that um you know there's probably something to be learned there too which is what are the things that that people find comforting and what i'd say on on that note and i've had a lot of opportunity to think about that is i am not someone who is used to fantasy books over the course of of my life but i do find the wistfulness and interest in in doing that and there's there's this weird feeling for me of of like i can i can imagine this this place and you know really immerse myself in the place and and enjoy being there um and it makes you know gives a lot more of the story i, I think that in similar ways um meet me in the bathroom the scenery is really well put together even in oral history of like what brooklyn looked like then what alphabet city looked like then and that place along with the people along with the characters that is really welcoming and it's it's also livable in a way that like um you know a a, a sci-fi thing it's like you know 2001 a space odyssey i can't really imagine what it would be like to live on on a space uh, a spaceship like that's that's hard for me but even though i've never swung a sword i could imagine what it would be like to be you know hot pie basically
1: got to brown the butter
0: yeah got to brown the butter Uh, maybe what i'm saying is i wish i was hot pie but you know that's fine that's what takes you back it is your comfort food and i think that there's a lot to be learned uh by what other people have as comfort food like if one of you said that i watch pulp fiction once a month i'd be like okay that says a lot to me about what what you like in the same way if someone was like I really like eating Dino Nuggets uh, once a week. Like, that's that's okay. That's that's your comfort. Oh food. no,
1: that's interesting. The food, the food aspect of that is is kind of interesting. Because um, like, I, I think everybody has things that they really like. They fall back on like the things that when you can't think of anything else to cook, you're like this is what I know. This is my bankable kitchen skill. Um, like. You know, maybe it's maybe you make really good chili, um, maybe maybe you make killer, you know, bolognese, and it's always super comforting. You know, um, I don't know. That's I, I I do that a fair amount with this thing that my my mom started making probably when I was in high school. It's just like a big roast of. Like a big pan roast of chicken and sausage and onions and peppers, and you know you can kind of chuck in other other vegetables if you want. Like, and it's just it it's a winner every time. Um, but there's not like you're not necessarily looking to discover new aspects of a of a you know a food dish when you go back to it Cute. time and again.
2: Yeah, when we want chili, we like well, we have a specific craving for the chili recipe that we use. So like we, when we're not having it, we're like well, we should try out different chili recipes. But then when we get the craving, we don't want to do that. We just make the one we like.
0: So that's interesting. When when we have comfort foods, and it's like I want something, and it's often associated with a person has made this. And a lot of times, I think it's. I mean, I think I have this for things that I make, but maybe it's things that other people make it's this person's version of this what you're doing there is you want to return to the same the same exact experience as close to the exact thing as possible you want that whole thing whereas with these with these forms of media i don't know that we're hoping to re- return to the exact same thing unless it's unless it's that feeling as i mentioned I kind of want to return to like uh, you know, imagining uh you know, walking through the elven forest like that's a cool ass thing to imagine.
1: but it's hard it's also hard to to you know go back for that exact same feeling, you know, because inevitably you are coming you're coming back to a work at a different point in your life and you're filtering it through different experiences whatever has been on your mind recently and you know and and so I I think and and maybe this is because I'm not much of a fantasy reader like maybe maybe that's mitigated somewhat by something with like a really well-defined kind of alternate world but like you know I don't know it's I find it Everything is always a little bit different, except except for the one, what I will be uh, eating almost exactly 168 hours from now as we record it, one week, uh, which is annual day before Thanksgiving gumbo.
0: Yep.
3: Yeah. Sean, I'm, I'm glad you said that, because I feel like I don't tend to revisit tons of media. I don't really go back and watch movies, TV shows, the exceptions of some comedies, but one thing that i do often try to go back to and i go back to it hoping that i'm gonna get as close to the same experience as i'm fondly remembering and i never do uh is video games that i played as a as a kid um and i don't know if it's because you know i'm looking at it through a different lens or you know unlike books that they have a, a graphical component that is like noticeably older um but I still try that itch. I don't know. A friend, uh, a fr- friend of mine here, um, has a PlayStation Two, and so we made plans to get together and, and play through The Simpsons Hit and Run. And like, <laughs> I don't want that to be different. I, I just want to play. Like, I want to be back in high school yeah. playing The Simpsons Hit and Run. Am, am I going to get that experience? Like, no. Is it going to be positive? I, I hope so. But it's the same reason why, like, I've, I've tried to go back time and again to. To World of Warcraft, and it's like, well, I'm not a high schooler with 22 hours of free time every day and nothing else to do. So, like, yeah, it's that, so, like I'm never going to get that same I, uh, immersiveness. I used to
2: try that too, and I just gave up on it. And now, when I, I'm like, well, I want to play on a harder difficulty level. I want to beat it faster. So, like, I kind of, I used to search for that edge, but realized that never be able to scratch. To- it's,
1: totally it's unrelated. If you've got an, if you got a line on a PS3 and a copy of. NCAA football fourteen holler at your boy.
0: I I think Max, you you hit on something. Uh, hit, damn it. Um, so the Simpsons game, and you know you you will forgive me because my my understanding of this is limited. But when or or a, a football game, something like, a sports game, like that is that is something that is not narrative based in the same way as is. You know, World of Warcraft is you create a character and you live life through that character. And I feel like that is maybe part of it is like to have the full World of Warcraft experience, you have to have that set and setting as well. It's like a high school with endless hours. Whereas, like if you just want to go and play Crash Bandicoot and and run through it or whatever, um you know, or hop online and play Halo with with people, that is very different than than starting a campaign and and so i feel like going and playing fifa with with your with your bros or whatever for an hour that is much more the comfort food experience than like i want to replay uh red yeah. dead redemption yeah and i have no more video games i can reference those are all yeah, of them that's, that's it. Really
2: great even game. that like that's a, that's something you're getting better at so it's gonna be yeah. like once you yeah. start getting good at something like i've played five quadrillion games of super smash brothers in my life and you know, at this point, I've probably plateaued in skill level, so you know most of the experiences are roughly the same. But uh, and it's kind of by definition not going to get the same thing there, even though. But it is still like the comfort food thing. Like, well, I just play FIFA. Play it, very,
3: yeah, the narrative games are different. I, the Simpsons one happens to be a narrative game, so I probably won't get the same experience. But thinking about like, you know, NFL Blitz, like a game is always fun if you see it at an arcade, and it it doesn't change because you're not oh these players don't play anymore like it doesn't matter it's the exact same experience and you know i'm sure backyard baseball would would be the same and on the other side of the coin
1: you have like revisiting old call of duty story modes which are feel almost like feel aggressively (laughs) dated like i have done it not like (laughs) not recently (laughs) um but like you know it i the, the Call of Duty games, particularly the the Modern Warfare ones, not not the ones that are like set in World War II, um, are are they sort of follow along with like what I what I think is a, a really common f- way to think about the framework of horror movies, which is that they are they're making some sort of statement about like what we fear in society at that given point in time. And so like there are, there are call of duty games where the villains are middle Eastern. There are games where the villains are, you know, vaguely Soviet. There are games where the villains are, uh, you know, military industrial complex Titans voiced by Kevin Spacey. Um, you know, like, and all of those things feel super fucking dated the moment you get back into them.
2: Yeah. Um, I think that with, with kind of going back to just the, the, the book, like all of it, there's some type of, uh, level where if it's too, too specific or too complex, you're not going to be able to capture the feeling. But I think with your you know, rewatching Star Wars or rereading Harry Potter or something, but like it's universal and basic enough, like the main themes that you can still get, like get that same jolt. But like, if it's game of Thrones, then you're going to relate to the characters in a different way. Cause your life has changed, but you're probably not going to relate to Harry much differently than you did when you were a teenager, just because the, the story is what it, what it is. And it, there's only so many characters and they only go so deep with it.
0: Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. I think one, one last thing that I'd like to touch on that we haven't really talked about, but it's probably the thing that we revisit the most often. Um, and not just us, but like as a society and look for, for meaning or feeling in it um, and sometimes the same one, or at least I think so, but is like music. I think a lot of people have a song that really means something to them or an album or an artist that they they keep revisiting. I mean, <clears throat> uh, you know, Max, uh, uh, as as we well know, uh, we would we would hang out on a Friday evening in Arlington. And for at least an hour of that time, Future Islands would always be played like it's just it, it's almost a default. Maybe maybe with music, because it is such like a built-in comfort food that we don't even think about the reasons that we, we do that. But I think that in some ways that is the ultimate one. Um, it is the thing that can be in the background or the foreground, um, but it is there and clearly has a power.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think in some ways music is the one that is most like – most nostalgic it's uh it's the one that is it's the form of it's like the entertainment form that is the most a time capsule of you the listener when you first got into to that song or that artist so like there there's there's something that will always that switch will always flip for you when you hear that song that you grew up listening to yeah in a way that I don't think is exactly the same for, for books just because it kind of can't be.
0: I mean, think of people have their go-to karaoke songs and there are myriad reasons for that. Um, And, you know, ultimately it's like this song means a lot to me. It means so much to me that I want to share it with you in the way that I would sing it or can sing. It is probably a better way to, to express
1: that yeah um okay do we have any parting thoughts we want to get in before we uh mark the triumphant return of everyone's favorite podcast segment pierce is sorry okay all right what are you apologizing for today
0: um, there, there is something that I was going to apologize for That, that has to do with, with my trip But I'll save that for a different time And as I remember more things from my trip That I'll inevitably have to apologize for But um, This one uh, Goes out to uh, Woody Harrelson And um, Jennifer Lawrence And uh, one of the Hemsworth brothers uh, I Some weeks ago watched the first hunger games movie that's a good movie i i was wrong i i feel like i without consuming it at all was very um i was very much like i basically i decided i was too good for hunger games it came out at a time that was like probably right when we the books themselves too like right when we at the end of high school early college and the first movie was
2: in college
0: First movie was in college and it felt you know you're in college, or at least for me, and I was reading a lot of books and I felt like I'm I'm too good for this. I'm beyond it. Um, the movie is good and it was the kind of good that is like, oh, it is and I asked, like, is this character more developed in the book? I'm interested in this relationship. Yes, it's way more developed in the book, and it's cool, but I'm like, wow, they expressed it really well in the movie, and they didn't, you know, waste time with the background and everything else. And so I felt really bad because instead of engaging with, you know, this, this thing and, um, you know, this community of people who are really into it and everything else feeling like, well, I'm not YA anymore. I'm adult. I'm just a, um, I missed out on something cause I, you know, effectively thought it was, I was too good for that. And so I'm, I'm sorry for not engaging with it this far because, um, it seems good, and is probably excellent comfort food to revisit *Hunger Games*. Um, so, uh, and and Donald Donald Sutherland, I'm I'm sorry, man, uh, you're you're great.
2: Okay, so I'm, I'm gonna guess that you thought that everyone thought that they were too cool for it, but everyone else just kind of read it during their breaks, so that they weren't. Well, I weren't I, I did have
0: I did have a roommate my third year who who very openly read it. Um, it you know pre med person probably biology major who who read it very openly and I was more just surprised that that he he could read. Um, so I thought it was it was good. It's like I know you I know you know the organic chemistry formulas, but do you actually read? And, and there he was. I mean, this
1: is now. also primo time for Fifty Shades of Grey. So like,
0: I, yeah, there openly was a lot reading just in the Hunger avoid.
1: Games I think is fine. Yeah. Um.
0: And I don't, I don't mean to besmirch 50 shades of gray either, but that's that it was just, it was a weird thing that it existed at that time. There was, I feel like there's some, Oh, uh, obviously the twilight series is, is kind of, um, parallel to that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, which I, I don't know if that is as, um, I don't know that that holds up as well.
1: Yeah. Well, that's, that's a different podcast for a different time. What we're going to do now is, uh, a big idea from pop culture and, for for once i've i've feel like i i'm you know my my list of stuff that i've experienced recently abounds um it's probably fitting that we're we're talking about this now um the uh the cryptocurrency world is on absolute fire because guess what it all the people who said it's a ponzi scheme have been right probably for the whole time um and uh, if you have seen the the name FTX in the news recently, if you've heard discussions of FTX and FTX US and FTT, and wondered how all of those things are different, um, one, you are super duper not alone, and that's that's fine. Uh, but two, uh, there's there's a magazine for you. Uh, Bloomberg Business Week did a thing that they they've done one other time in their history, which is they devoted an entire issue, to, essentially to to be a one story issue, um, and they let Matt Levine, who uh, for my money is like the best person writing about finance and and markets in in the world, maybe definitely certainly in the U.S. Um, he wrote this sprawling 40,000 word story about, you know, uh, just like it's the most simple down to the basic building blocks introduction to like, what is cryptocurrency? How does it work? Like, what is its history? What are the different ways that people think about it? So like, I I think it would perhaps be a really cool resource to, you know, to be reading as, as this world is on fire. uh, It's it's called the only crypto story you'll ever need. I I believe Um, Hmm.
0: this reminds me, I need to check in with pop culture is a bit of a stretch. Yeah, no, I mean, it is because um, this reminds me, I need to check in with a friend who earlier this, this year tried to ask me if I would be interested in going to a blockchain slash cryptocurrency conference with them And I I couldn't go. I was was interested in the way that, like, I want to educate myself on this. Um, But this is a person who also has, I think it's Gemini is the credit card that, like, you get your points back in crypto in some way. And this is an important rejoinder on this. I need to check in with them because all of this, like, crypto-related things, you know, life um, is their family is about to have their first child in like two months. So it might be a traumatic time. So I should check in, in terms of this. Hope
1: it w- Hope they weren't getting paid in FTT. The
0: FTT. I They're
1: mean funny. that, that, that combines <laughs> well done. Uh, that combines two of my least favorite things, which are crypto and credit card points. Hacking <laughs> just two two concepts that individually make me want to die
0: i thought i thought you were gonna say um conferences in procreation
1: (laughs) which are very very stressful things too also yes also yes um but but instead of instead of those things uh what what we will talk about now is a little bit of music trivia it's time it's time for the return of the Rolling Stone rock trivia question. So here we go. Which of these albums was not produced by Rick Rubin?
0: oh cool. Okay.
1: Is it A, Blood Sugar Sex Magic by the Red Hot Chili Peppers? Uh, B, American Recordings by Johnny Cash? C, Ill Communication by the Beastie Boys? Or D,. Dice Rules by Andrew Dice Clay.
0: I'm going to say C. Yeah, I think it's the, the Beastie Boys one.
2: I'll go
1: D. Max and Pierce, you are correct. It was ill communication by the Beastie Boys. Um, okay. Pierce continues his unassailable... Uh, I had a good storm going. storm yeah. to the the title I think the magic number is probably 2 now uh actually no where we are half we're halfway through November magic number is 1 Pierce gets one more right I'm pretty sure it's over or so. if I miss one right also yes yeah. yeah so all right so let's get the Metallica questions for the rest of the year <laughs> Uh, as I look around my desk at the scattered uh, pages from this page a day calendar, uh, all I have to say is, Kevin, you're fucked. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, buddy.
3: I was hoping that one of those sleep. Rick
2: Rubin albums was going to be a system of a down one, and you guys were going to say that, and I was going to nail it. but <laughs> Nope, it's sorry. It's... to be the Bankman
0: Fried. That's it's... an interesting band to revisit.
2: <laughs> as an adult it's, it's so looking like up. the
1: rolling stone rock trivia championship is is going to be a, a belated wedding present for Pierce. Uh, all right that's the end of the show you can find us at our home on the web www.prettyokpod.com uh we're maybe trying to do some tweaks to the site so if there's anything that needs to change about that in the next couple months we'll we'll let you know uh But you can always subscribe to the podcast feed on your device and pod app of choice. Uh, If you do that, tell a friend about the show so we can share it with them as well. We'll be back next week to talk about something else. Until then, I'm Sean.
0: I'm Pierce. I'm Max.
1: I'm Kevin. Thanks for listening.